Well, if it isn't my valiant listener, back again for another episode of Ophelia Talks. Hail and well met! My name is Zach Rich. I am your podcast host, your company manager, your good upstate boy. Welcome to Syracuse. That's where I'm at right now. I'm in my own childhood bedroom doing this cold open for you. It's my sister's wedding this weekend, so a very big congratulations to Zoe and Jeremy. Many happy returns. I am not resting on my laurels, though. I have another piping hot episode for you this week. It's the last weekend of our new play festival called With a Twist. This weekend you can catch out Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. That is the show that we'll be talking about later on in this episode. Those dates, if you've forgotten, it's this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday and Saturday shows are 8 p.m., Sunday show at 6 p.m. And that's it for this festival. Whoa! You might be asking yourself the question, where's Ophelia going after this? I have answers for you, I just can't tell you them yet. But do you want to know when you'll be able to hear those answers? I can tell you that right now. We are doing a Halloween fundraiser at the Ophelia Theater on Saturday, October 28th. We'll be celebrating the end of our play festival. We'll be celebrating the spooky, scary season of Halloween. I'll be emceeing the entire event. We're going to have live music. I believe there's going to be a something of a haunted house going on around there as well. There's plenty of things to do, plenty of raffle prizes to give away. I'll be your MC, and we will have more information about what's coming up for the rest of the 2017-2018 season at the Ophelia Theater. So come on by for a ghoulish good time. And just a little bit of shameless self-promotion on my part, I'll be doing a live reading of The Princess Bride to benefit the Pigeonhold Theatre Company. I'll be playing the part of Prince Humperdinck, so if you're interested in a night of me sounding like a swarmy, evil noble boy... Well, I've got just the thing for you. That is taking place at the Raven's Head in Astoria, New York on October 26th at 7 p.m. You can find more information on that and tickets at facebook.com slash pigeonholedtheaterco. Pigeonhold is spelled P-I-G-E-O-N-H-O-L-E-D. Just like it sounds. Thank you for being a continued supporter of Ophelia Talks. If you have a moment and would like to support the show, subscribe to us on iTunes, give us a rating, leave a review if you can. It always goes a long way to helping us out. My guest this week is Dan Roberts, here to talk about the final show of the With a Twist Theater Festival. It's a fun episode, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Thank you very, very much to Fiend in Green for the use of our theme song. It's called Welcome to Enjoy off of the album Green Planet Adventures. You can find that song and the rest of their exquisite library of musical tunes at fiendingreen.bandcamp.com. And that's it. With this episode, that is the end of the With a Twist Play Festival. Next week, something different. We'll find out what it is as we go along. But thank you for listening to Ophelia Talks. Have a great old time with this week's episode. And I'll see you next week. And congratulations, Zoe and Jeremy. Enjoy!
Alright, so here we are at the Classical 101.1 Classical for some smooth listening. You're a natural. <laughs> it's the one thing I want to do. Uh, no, just be a oh. classical radio station host. <laughs> it would just, it would, there was one time in uh, Texas where there was a guy who was the classical DJ and they all put on these faux British accents where they're like, welcome, and now we'll listen to Brahms, this and this. And they put on the wrong song. The guy was like, what the? And he just <laughs> broke it. He broke it. And it was hilarious. And he was like, uh, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, now uh, technical difficulties. Uh, let's get that right symphony. The illusion's just completely It's just it's lost, and I never forgot that. And I was like, that's now I want to just do that. There was uh, a video game released last year, uh, one of the Forza games, Forza Horizon 3, I think it was. Uh-huh. Uh, they had radio stations in that game, and one of them was a classical radio station. But like the bit was they were purchased by the festival, so they were mm-hmm. doing this classical music for all of these rowdy boys driving fast cars and such yeah. and they were like we don't know what's going on here in this Australian soil but here's some Brahms for your driving <laughs> pleasure <laughs> Dan Roberts yeah you're here yeah you're on the show thanks yeah what are you doing here what am I well you know I got a I got a call to come on down and I figured I'd just just come and and tell you that the the with a twist festival has been going swell, and uh, I'm here to help cap it off here. Last weekend, coming in, directing, adapting Coleridge's poem "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner." So that's what I'm doing. That was the long and the short of it. Well, thank you for coming today. That's gonna do it for us. Yep. Uh, that was all the time we had, folks. All right. See you later. That explanation too long. Now, nah, give me the pitch on rhyme. Okay. So rhyme is uh, and. I say Coleridge, but uh, Coleridge, Coolridge, there have been poems that have explained the pronunciation of his name, but there have been counter poems that explain the enunciation of his name. So my uh, composer says uh, Coolridge, I say Coleridge. So let the debates begin. You've anyway, lost me already. I know, right? Uh, let's get to the real story. Coleridge's epic poem, one of the poems that actually inspired the novel Moby Dick, mm-hmm. uh, is a tale of a seafaring man who recounts, essentially accounts his tale going around around down to the Southern Sea, shooting the albatross. The whole concept of like the albatross around your neck comes from uh, Coleridge's Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Water, water everywhere, not a drop to drink. That phrase is from the poem itself. Uh, that's one of the big quotes that everybody knows. So yeah, it's his tale of woe as he shoots an albatross and his uh, actions have consequences. And so it goes everywhere from spirits to angels, to sea snakes, all abound. And what we are doing with this particular production is uh, the poem actually suggests that we are at a wedding and that the wedding guest is being told the story by the mariner. And so what we've done, because I've been working to adapt this for a while, this has been a quite an ongoing project. And How long have you been working on it? So on and off for about five years. Cool. Um, the first iteration of it was uh, actually just a movement piece that was directly quoting the poem. Then we went into a little bit more of a dramaturgical piece a couple of uh, years later, uh, which uh, Eric Ryder, a former artistic director, that was his first time to get to hear uh, this piece. And I know he had been talking about it to a couple of people, so got a little buzz going on it. And this is the third iteration, which is a whole lot more musically inclined. We, like I said, it, it takes place at a wedding initially, the story. And so what I've done is because it was such a mind numbing thing of like, what is this wedding doing here? What's this wedding about? I need to find the deeper meaning. I've gone ahead and I've set the 
adaptation that we're working on at a wedding reception. And so it actually has a nice immersive feel. The audience is, in fact, the wedding guests that are now going to attend this wedding and hear the, uh, the Mariner's Tale. So it's going to start off very immersive. We have a wedding band who's going to help out the Mariner with his tale. So yeah, the lines are blurred between what's real and what's theatrically staged. And what brought you from adapting this from this epic poem to a stage work? Gotcha. I was always fascinated with the poem, and I thought it was a poem that lent itself to being very theatrical. The How way... did you discover the poem in the first place? Take it back a long time ago, Daniel's childhood. My father was uh, driving me, and we were in the drive-thru at McDonald's one Saturday afternoon. <laughs> this is not where I expected this I know, to go. right? Uh, it never is. Yeah. And at one point, and I remember he quoted Water, Water Everywhere and Not a Drop to Drink which stuck out and I go, wow, that's a weird, that's a weird thing to say, dad. I thought we were getting soda and french fries. And he goes, oh yeah, it's from a poem. And I said, okay, cool. I'll have to check that out. And so it stuck in my mind. Uh, things stick in my mind like that. Music, things like that, plays. So years later, somebody mentioned the albatross and water, water everywhere. And I go, okay, well now I need to find that poem that has that. So then I tracked down the poem during uh, college. Uh, somebody had an extra Norton anthology around. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to grab this and read a bunch of poetry. And oh, look, here's the, the rhyme of the ancient mariner here. So then I read that over. I said, this has to be, uh, this is so theatrical, it has to be staged. Uh, and that's originally what I wanted to do with it. So it was... Way back in college, I guess. And five years later, here we are. Well, it's been a while since college. Uh, I guess, oh, well, then in that case, maybe the process has been longer. Anyway, oh, God. <laughs> little revelation for I'm you. Getting old. <laughs> it's so fascinating because I think this podcast is just a series of people realizing how old they're getting. That's, that sounds about right. I like that. That's great. What are we doing but archiving ourselves? Give me a little info on your personal journey as a... Because you joined Ophelia for... What was the first show you did? I came in at As You Like It. Yeah, so As You Like two, It, that's right. two performance, two shows before you did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my way of getting into Ophelia... Let's go further back before we talk Ophelia. Like back. your story. You're from, oh I believe, Texas? Yeah, is? Texas. Fort Worth, Texas, born and raised. Was there pretty much all my life. Never even came up to New York. I ended up going to college in Dallas. Uh, well, in Irving, but it was the University of Dallas. But, you know, the Dallas Cowboys were in Irving I was about as well. to say, everyone's exactly. still a Cowboys fan <laughs> Exactly. So I ended up going to a very small uh, private Catholic liberal arts liberal arts school. Then after that, I was determined to get out of uh, Texas because I'd been there my entire life and I wanted to see a bunch of different things. So I interned at uh, Undermain Theater in Dallas for a year because it's the best theater in Dallas, in my opinion. And then I submitted to uh, the Lincoln Center Theater Director's Lab and they got back to me saying, you've been accepted, come on up. And so I, w I flew up here, got housed by some really lovely people, spent three weeks around 70 directors, 30 actors, and 10 designers for, yeah, like I said, three weeks, 10 to 10 every day. And it was the greatest introduction to New York possible because I got to work with just so many theater artists from around the world. And we got to examine Strindberg. So that was <laughs> fun. That no. seems like a cool introduction to New York. Yeah. And where'd you go from there? Uh, after that, I essentially said, wow, this is a really cool place to visit. Maybe I'll just stay a little bit longer. <laughs> and then my parents were like, so when are you coming back? And I was like, oh, maybe Christmas four months later. And I was like, oh, okay. I think I'm going to go back now. Uh, and they were like, what? You're going to stay up there? And I was like, yeah. So I 
was in New York for a year, directed a few projects around, and then I ended up getting into an internship at the Shakespeare Theatre of New Jersey, uh, which is another pivotal point here. I did three summers there, uh, and that is where I met one of our company actors, uh, Caitlin Sherrard, uh, for the first time. Uh, it's really funny because she worked on the original version of Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner that I staged, the movement version of it. And she's kept involved uh, kept involved with this project as well, mm-hmm. um, helping out as she can. Uh, it's been really cool. But uh, And I met Julia Skeggs, who in turn would eventually help me cast a production of Romeo and Juliet, which had Eric Ryder as Friar Lawrence. And that oh, I was remember how. Remember that story. Now. <laughs> and so that, uh, in the end, is my way around to getting into Ophelia because I met Eric and he was like, "I got my company," and I was like, "Cool, maybe one day I'll I'll go to your company." And I had uh, I went back to Jersey for three summers and I came back the third summer, really needing to get in contact with my my actor roots, you know, because I'd been focused as a director for so much and I felt like I had lost a little bit of in touch with uh, with actors and what, what it meant to act. I pretty much phoned up Eric and I was like, if you need, I, I'm looking for supernumerary roles, I just, wanna, I just wanna be in it, I just wanna feel in there. And they're like, cool, uh, uh, with Ophelia, let me be your Lord number two. And they said, cool, come on down, let's do a read. We got a couple of parts that maybe you could be. And I came in and read, had a really good read. And then they were like, oh yeah, our touchstone dropped. You want to just be him instead? And I was like, okay, uh, I guess I could be a fool. And so that's how I got into Ophelia. That's very nice. Yeah. That's an easy story to, to take in. Yeah. How did you... This is a process that I'm going through in my own personal life. Is, yeah. is, is jumping from the acting side of things to the directing side of things. Mm-hmm. How did you find that call to action... Jumping off of the stage and taking things over behind the scenes. What happened in that, that's a story from college days. Essentially, what would happen is I would audition for shows and I wouldn't get into some of them, as you do. And then you say, okay, how else do I help? Where else can I find, how else can I be of service to what's going on? Because I still think that what we're doing is important here. And sometimes that's like working on props or doing front of house or something like that. Sometimes it's during the winter term where you get signed on to be uh, the stage manager for a show. And I just so happened to be stage manager for a uh, complete works of Shakespeare abridged that was just the Hamlet section. It was for an orientation play, so just an introduction to Shakespeare. And the director had to leave for family reasons. And so... As the stage manager of that show, I started just slowly being like, oh, okay, well, I'll just kind of help out everyone else. All the actors know what they're doing, so I'm just going to kind of watch them, give them little suggestions here and there, and tweak things accordingly to where I think uh, things work. And and we originally said we were all going to direct, and then the person at the uh, the drama office was just like, I couldn't put all your names in as directed, so I just put you directed it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess I'm a director. Great. So yeah, it, it kind of uh, became that part, being a, a support, and I've always found it comfortable being a, a supportive person, so uh, I kind of came in through, through that angle as a director. You make it sound like your entire career is just happy accidents. <laughs> it is quite a few uh, happy accidents and hard work. There is a lot of hard work in between the happy accidents. 
but I definitely think there's there's coincidence and there's 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 something romantic about the idea of running into someone that's like, oh, I need you for this play. Oh, I just had an opening in my schedule. I need to be in your play. Okay, great. Let's all make it happen. You know, I always think theater is a miracle. It's a miracle, <laughs> and I think that's what the industry is these days. Yeah. Uh, when I've been in New York for four and a half years now, I know, almost. right? And <laughs> I think outside of initially auditioning for Floyd Collins here at Ophelia, almost every single thing I've done in New York was not an audition, but somebody said, hey, I think you'd be great in this. Yeah, because that's, it's essentially if they know you're somebody that's reliable, if they know you work up, work hard and show up, then that's, I mean, that's half the battle, really. That's, that's really half of it. And knowing is half the battle, dear that's, listener. That's it. Because <laughs> knowledge is power. No. Let's move to the, the, I almost said the knowledge side of things. <laughs> let's go to the phones. Let's take callers. Let's no. take the phone. Colin, let's move to the writing side of things. Great. Give me your experience as a writer because that's oh, not God. how I know you. No, and it's not how I know myself either. No. Uh, and I really want to stress that this uh, is more, I feel, of an adaptation of Coleridge's text. Quite a bit of his text in there. I am simply creating a framing device with the introduction of this show and little excerpts in between as as a vessel simply to carry his beautiful words. So my words are very plebeian, very like contemporary, simple, short phrases that will help hopefully just elevate his text further and put some levity in there from some of the less serious parts because we are there at a wedding reception. We got to have ourselves a good time. That's exciting. Yeah, I feel I bad that I'm going to miss it because I'll be I'll be at a wedding of my own. I know, right? Everyone everyone who's missing it is because of a wedding, and I'm just like, you know, we could just take it to the wedding, and then it'd be even more. It's, uh, it's <laughs> nuts, but yeah, it it's is my nice. sisters, so I probably no. shouldn't miss. I know, out. yeah, and you probably shouldn't just house a bunch of actors and tell them to go to your sister's wedding without telling her. No. <laughs> We're like, touring! No. Hey, want to throw out all this work you did and be a part of a show? Yeah, it's great. No. That's funny. <laughs> uh, give me the lowdown on your cast. Gotcha. We've got a myriad of wonderful people. We've got, how to go down? we got Glenn Stoops. He is going to be our ancient mariner. He, longtime uh, company member. We also have Billy Akintyres, the artistic director of Ophelia, making a quick cameo. You know. I didn't know she was in it until last week. Literally, we're recording, and she's like, I'll be in the show. Yeah, right. I like, what? <laughs> I was listening. I was like, oh, yeah. I guess I haven't made that as official as I... I've told, I thought I told everybody. That, but was, I that was an exclusive scoop. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> we also have... Uh, uh, I'm going to mess up somebody's name. Grant Chamberlain. He's great. He's going to be one of our musicians. We've got uh, Tanya Nova. She's also one of our musicians. We have April uh, Leonhard. Leonhard? Leonard? Leonhard? Oh, no. I mispronounced her name. It's okay. Um, we <laughs> uh, we have Alana Graber, a uh, friend of yours. You, Good uh, friend you, of mine, yes. Yeah. Uh, you got me uh, the connection there, which was great, and I'm very appreciative. I'm happy um, to help. Yeah. She's uh, good people. She is great people. Um, and we also have Nate, who's going to be our wedding singer, which is going to be good. And our composer is the very talented Nathan Lee. He's rocking it. Got some amazing music lined up for us. And that, I believe, double check, counting all the people on my fingers, that's that's who we've got. That's actively what he's doing at the moment. <laughs> yep. Yes, that's it. Fantastic. <laughs> and a pianist. And a pianist. Yeah. And this is this is the first production of this incarnation. Of the this play. incarnation, yes. yes. The first, like I said, was very much uh, just the text, cut down, and it was only the first 
half of the poem too. The poem's like 38 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very simple recite. Uh, Fiona Shaw did a fantastic uh, version of it at BAM where she just did the, the poetry and it was just her and one um, and a dancer. So she did that version. The second I saw that, well, I was like, well, I can't just stick to the text. I got to do something a little bit more. Um, so that was really cool to see. Is there anything else in the works for you right now? Nothing at the moment. It's just, it's getting about that application season time. So it's one of those things to just kind of keep working at. I'm about to go on a long train trip where I'll hopefully just memorize a bunch of stuff and maybe do some more writing. I really got interested in writing story structure specifically. I'm not necessarily good at dialogue, but I love story structure and I love narrative. So maybe hopefully keep on going down that writing path. That's so fascinating because as a writer, I'm good at dialogue, but not so much story structure. It's so weird. And I, and I, I wonder if it's easier for me to dictate story than it is to write. I have to figure out how I best write. You're going to start um, carrying around like a, tape a little recorder tape recorder. Yeah. Times. Just, just cell phone. This is a good idea. Project this. He's his father. What? Twist. That's great. <laughs> That's how George Lucas envisioned. That's exactly the Star Wars. Yes. That and a whole lot of Joseph Campbell. A whole lot. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, my boy? Um, just how excited I am about wrapping up uh, this festival. The festival has been absolutely wonderful, and we've gotten to see a whole bunch of amazing artists at work. Get to meet some new faces. Get to, to expand the actor pool. Just excited about what Ophelia has in store because we're going to be announcing our uh, our season coming up soon. And it's going to be a, a fun one this spring. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I'm pumped for it. Yeah. Uh, we recorded this on what well, recording in the present test. It'll be the past tense. Wait, where am I? Hosted. <laughs> when am I? Uh, we're doing this on Saturday. You saw Red Winter last night too. Yes, I did. Phenomenal. Yeah. Really, really cool thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Staging the the Foley sound effects. Just simplistic but clear world. And the bear. Let's not forget about the bear. I I can't (laughs) stress this enough. Kevin Ryder as the bear is the real MVP of this festival. (laughs) It's terrible too because he's one of my best friends. So literally anything he's... He's one of those people where anything he's going to do, I'm going to laugh. But the second he came onto the stage as that bear, bear. literally he could just like wince or something. And I laughed way too hard. Almost an embarrassing amount of laughter. Whenever he sat down, I was like, that's like a poo bear sit down right there. And he just... It was was beautiful. Beautiful. (laughs) That was too good. And now and now for a podcast just about Kevin Ryder's performance as the bear. If you missed it, feel feel bad. Feel bad. Feel bad. Feel bad. Feel bad. Prime of the Ancient Mariner is playing at the Ophelia Theater. It is the last weekend of the With a Twist New Play Festival. It is playing the 20th, 21st, and 22nd of this great month of October. The Friday and Saturday shows at 8. The Sunday show at 6. Tickets are still available at OpheliaTheater.org. My name is Zach Rich, and this, my dear, dear friends, has been another episode of Ophelia Talks. (laughs) 